We'll be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 20, tonight. Um, I feel like I've been saying that for several weeks. But, but was that an amen? <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> Luke, chapter 20. We're going to finish the chapter tonight. So this, this will be the last time we're in this chapter for a little while. Um, we were talking about this morning the, the, the Sadducees and the question that they posed to Jesus uh, they asked him about the woman of the seven husbands, you know, whose wife will she be in the, re- in the resurrection? And, and we talked about uh, uh, the fact that Jesus, as Matthew so eloquently puts it, uh, Jesus says, you are wrong. <laughs> and so he, he, he sets them straight. Right after that, we didn't get into verse 39, but right after uh, what Jesus tells them in verse 38, that God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living, immediately thereafter, uh, verse 39, then some of the scribes answered, teacher, you have spoken well. <laughs> I guess they figured we might better get on his good side because now he's been, he's been down in the Herodians and the Pharisees and he's been down in the Sadducees, so maybe, maybe we need to... to <laughs> Get on this guy's good side. Well, it didn't work because in chapter 41, he turns to them and he asks them whose son is, uh, or who, uh, who is, how could Christ be David's son? Because David also calls him my Lord. It's a funny thing about scribes. These guys would have been experts in the law. They would have known things backwards and forwards. Part of their job would have been to copy manuscripts. And I don't know if you've ever hand copied something, but uh, when you do that, you got to pay close attention to get it right. Otherwise, you end up with all kinds of errors and mistakes. And when you're copying God's word, how much even more important is it for you to get everything right? Uh, It's the reason that so many people uh, have different versions of Bibles today is because we have different types of manuscripts and there are so many manuscripts over so many centuries that uh, it's kind of difficult sometimes to figure out which one's right and which one's not when there are differences. Usually it's spellings or two very similar words uh, in the same context, or sometimes it's a word order. A word is repeated when it shouldn't have been, or a word isn't repeated when it should have been. I mean, there's all kinds of little things like that. Never anything that really changes the meaning of a passage in any significant way. But there are uh, all of these manuscripts, and, and the time and the care that it takes to copy them down, it, it's, a, it's a very labor-intensive process. By the way, if you're a historian, that's why the printing press was so big. Because you could take a, a manuscript of a Bible, could take years to complete. And then in the printing press, you can do it in hours. It's revolutionary. So, these guys, this is what they would do for a living. They would copy down these scripts. And oftentimes it would be God's word. It would be, they would be making copies for a, a, a new synagogue that was being built. And, and that synagogue would order a copy or one that, one that was older and, and the, for some reason the, the scroll is wearing down and they need to get a new copy of it. Perhaps it would be for a, for a gift for someone who was uh, graduating from Pharisee school or whatever, who is becoming a rabbi, might receive a copy of this or something like that might happen. And these guys would be copying it down. 
Now, if anybody can know the word of God, it's the scribes. I mean, that's what they do, is write the word of God all day long. But it's interesting. Jesus, in verse 45, or in verse 45, he begins telling us something that, that might, might not, you might not think that Jesus would go this route. Luke 20, 45. And in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, beware of the scribes. Now, beware of the scribes. Why would we beware of the scribes? I mean, aren't these guys copying God's word? Aren't these guys the experts in the law? Aren't these guys the one you consult when you have the questions or the difficulties? What is wrong with the scribes that Jesus says, watch out? You just hush, I'm getting there. (laughs) You say they know it, but they don't believe it. They don't live it. I think you're exactly right. In fact, let's look at the reasons Jesus says beware the scribes. Whenever you are reading in, uh, whenever you're reading any kind of English, okay, it works kind of similar in different languages, but in English, uh, we have certain words that cue you in, that what you're about to read is either going to develop the thought into the next level, or it's going back and giving you a reason for what was just said. In this verse, we have these clauses that give us the reasons why we should beware the scribes. Verse 46, beware of the scribes. First one, who like to walk around in long robes. Long robes. I, I don't know about you. Um, have you ever been to a graduation and, and you're looking at the regalia? That's a, that's, a, that's a fancy word right there is regalia all of the things that people are wearing. And when you go to a high school graduation, graduation, they're wearing all kinds of stuff. You know, you get, you get stuff to wear at graduation for just about anything. You didn't, you didn't miss a day of school in, in, in your, you know, from kindergarten all the way up, then you would have something on graduation day to wear. If you were honor society, you'd have those gold cords, right? If you were not honor society, um, you would have other things. There, there would be awards and medals given to certain people that, that achieved them in certain subjects. You know, uh, uh, the, there would be an award for a student in math and an award for a student in science, you know, some kind of exceptional student. You might have something that denoted whether you were a varsity player, a varsity sports player. Uh, I've seen schools do that. There would be different tassels for various things. You would have certain sashes for certain things. All these different stuff that you'd find. When you get into the college level, it gets a lot more boring. Because instead of tons and tons of colors, there's not very many colors. At least not for undergrad. Okay, Bachelor's degree, you're wearing your normal square cap, and you're wearing this black gown, and you got pretty much nothing else. Then you get to master's. And the masters, they start looking more colorful. They've got the nice hood that comes back. On the outside of the hood is is some colors for the the type of degree you're getting. On the inside are school colors. So mine, uh, because I was in pastoral ministry, mine was a scarlet on the outside. And then on the inside was the colors of the seminary I went to. Uh, Purple and white were the colors for New Orleans Seminary. And so that's, that, would be, that was what my hood looked like. Um, and then you get to the masters or, or the, uh, the doctorate students. And man, they really look fancy because not only do they have their hood, 
but they have the colors on the sleeves and they've got the funky looking hats that are like eight-sided instead of four-sided. And I mean, the, the higher you get, the, the more interesting your dress becomes. The more elevated your status, the more it shows in what you're wearing at graduation. Something similar happened in that day. The scribes would wear these robes and the better your status, the longer your robes. The better your status, the longer the, the, the fraying on the bottom of your robes would be. In fact, some people would put little bells in there so that they could walk around and, and they, would, they would sound like a cow walking through the field with the cowbell on. I mean, they were just the bells would ring every time they would move. It was a way of getting recognition for their status. Are long robes wrong? Not necessarily. Is it wrong to dress fancy? Not necessarily. I mean, if I got up here in tails, y'all would think I'd lost it. That'd be overdressed. But I'd probably look nice and fancy, right? George, George is like, yeah, you would. You know, the problem isn't the robes. It's seeking the seeking the recognition of the robes. You see, you see what, they're, what they're doing is they're craving recognition. Recognition for their status. Recognition for how valuable they are. How much they've accomplished. How far they have come. They not only love, like to walk around in long robes, verse 46 continues, and love greetings in the marketplaces. They, they, they want to be popular. They want a recognition that centers around their popularity. You know, um, I've heard preachers get up and when they go to speak, uh, they give like five minute long uh, speeches about how great it is to be here and we want to welcome this person and that person. We're so glad to have you in attendance and that kind of thing. Um, there's nothing wrong with saying some of that. I'd like to be included in one of those, like where, where it's like, you know, somebody thinks I'm important enough to, to single me out during that. That would be wonderful. I don't know, maybe that would be bad. Maybe they'd be using me as a bad example. I don't know. Anyway, having that greeting, having that recognition that you are important enough that I should go out of my way to greet you in public where everybody can see, they crave that. Not only that, they love the best seats in the synagogues. Another example, you can go in Philadelphia to the to the church, and I cannot remember the name of it. Daryl, you might actually know. Um, the Episcopal Church in Philadelphia that George Washington went to. I, I, I want to say it's Trinity, but I'm not sure about that. So don't, don't quote me on that. I can't remember. But anyway, there was, a, there was a pew that George Washington sat on in that church. To this day, you can walk into the church and you can see the pew that George Washington sat in. You can see like there's a little plaque there and it's roped off because you're not George Washington, so you can't sit there. I mean, what they would do is they would have in these churches, people that tithe, that gave a lot of money, would get prime seats in these churches. And they did the same thing in synagogues. The most important people would have the best seats in the house. If you weren't really given that much, if you weren't really a part of that church, the, the financial structure of that church, you got up in the balcony somewhere. Good luck seeing anything. But if you were important, if you were one of the big givers, they had a pew just for you. And you thought Baptists only, only did that. That's my pew thing. This was going back even to the synagogues. They would have certain prime seats. And if you were sitting in one of those seats, well, it was a recognition of your goodness. 
Because you don't let just anybody sit in the prime seat. You'd have to have good, upstanding citizens, men of character and courage and deep wallets. And they craved that. Not only synagogues, feasts would have places of honor. We've heard Jesus tell someone, don't sit in the honorable place. Sit in the lowest place. That way, when they come to you and they say, move up higher, you, you are being honored instead of trying to fight for who gets the best seat at the table. Places of honors at feasts, it was a recognition of value. You are so valuable as a person that I want you to sit in the best seat in the house. I want you to have the best seat at the table. You're going to get right beside the best food so that you don't have to reach to get it and you can get as much as you want and everybody else has to suffer because they don't have enough because you ate all of it, right? They craved recognition. And because they craved recognition, we need to beware. Beware of those kinds of people. When you see someone who, who seems to act only in the interest of being recognized, being noticed, being patted on the back, being famous, beware of that person. Now, it's, that doesn't mean that everybody that is famous is bad. That doesn't mean that everyone who is recognized is automatically evil. But the one that's searching for recognition, the one that, that, is, that is doing everything possible that they can just to get that, that next like, that next vote, that next, that next recognition, that next accolade or award, that's someone to be very careful about. They crave recognition. Beware the scribes. There's another reason we should beware the scribes, and that is that they exploit the needy. Look at the beginning of 47. Who devour widows' houses. Now, scribes devouring widows' houses. One of the things they would do is copy the word of God. Another thing that they would often do is handle legal affairs. Oftentimes, the scribes were lawyers. Now, some of them did this primarily. Some of them didn't, but oftentimes they would be trained in matters of the law. And so when a widow would need help with her estate, who are you going to call? We would call an estate lawyer, right? In that day, that would have been a type of scribe, someone who could manage the affairs properly, someone who could file the right paperwork, who knew their way around the system so that they could make sure that things are being handled well. At least, that's what they were supposed to do. And some of them may have, but some of them didn't. Some of them used the time to exploit the needy. They devoured widows' houses. The idea is that instead of using things for her benefit, instead of, of using the assets of the, of the dead husband's estate to benefit the woman and possibly the children that were living there, instead of looking after only their interests, often the scribes would take a big cut for themselves, would use those assets for their own provision. We see an example of this where uh, some of the Pharisees are accused of, of of not, not obeying the weightier matters of the law. You tithe mint and dill and cumin and you don't obey the weightier matters of the law. You call something as dedicated to God and yet you use it for yourself. And you say, I can't take care of mom and dad who are old and can't work anymore because I, I've dedicated this to God. 
is a way of working around to say, I'm not going to take care of my responsibilities. Instead, I'm going to keep the stuff I have and use it for my benefit. And when I'm done with it, it will go to God's house. And we see scribes engaging in that kind of activity, exploiting the widow in a culture where oftentimes being a widow meant abject poverty. It takes a special kind of person to be that cruel to someone in that desperate a situation. They exploit the needy. And if you think about it, that makes sense. I mean, all they're thinking of it is themselves. They want recognition. All they care about is, number one, why, why would they do anything else? Continue in verse 47. And for pretense, make long prayers. I have to watch myself on this one because I like to pray long. <laughs> and it's, sometimes it's too, not too, uh, sometimes it's a little too long. Um, sometimes, I think D.L. Moody said, you pray three minutes, I'll pray with you. You pray six minutes, I'll pray for you. You pray nine minutes, I'll pray against you. I have to watch that. I, I have that tendency to pray a little long, okay? What the scribes are doing is feigning piety, pretending like they're holy by making these long, weighty prayers. It would be one thing if, it would be one thing if you're in your home and it's just you and God. You're at the foot of your bed or somewhere, wherever you pray. And you're making long prayers before God in that kind of setting. That, that's probably not a bad thing. We could probably all use more prayer time in that kind of stance. But when you're out in public, these guys would just pour it on. Pray, 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 pray. And, and just keep praying and thinking that it makes them sound holy. And to the untrained ear, it does sound holy. To the untrained ear to hear someone pray such beautiful prayers. Man, that sounds good, but it's all pretense. Again, they just want their recognition. They're just looking out for themselves. They don't really care if God hears them. They don't care about God at all. God is just a tool they're using to get what they want. Beware, the scribes. You see, condemnation is the only, the only result befitting of a scribe, befitting of this kind of scribe. And so that's what they get. They, verse 47 concludes, will receive the greater condemnation. Now, I can't speak to whether there are different levels of hell. And, and I've heard, I, I read some commentaries where folks were saying, just as there are levels of heaven, there's levels of hell. I, I haven't been there and I don't plan on going there, so I can't speak to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, really, I really don't want to know. That one I'm fine being in the dark on. However, I can tell you this. When you stand before God, and he opens up the books and your name is not in the book of life and he looks at you and he says, you mean to tell me your job was to write down my words, to interpret them, to apply them to people's lives. You were in my book every day for almost your entire life and you still don't even know me? I can tell you what, that is a greater condemnation. But Lord, I, I, I did all these things in your name. I, I cast out demons and I, and I healed people and, I, and I, I did these great works. Doesn't matter. I don't know you. Depart. See, we should beware the scribes because, well, condemnation comes to those who reject righteousness for ritual. For the scribes, everything was just what they do. The rituals they go through, the prayers they say, none of it was real. And so all they get is condemnation. All right, I've put it off long enough, but I can't put it off anymore. We have to be careful because we too can be scribes. When we crave recognition, 
We're basically just telling God, you know what, your, your, your provision isn't good enough for me. It's not sufficient. I need more. When we exploit the needy, we're polluting God's love for others. When we feign piety, all we're doing is revealing the rottenness within us. We've got to be careful because there but for the grace of God go I. So beware the scribes. Beware not only of them, beware that you don't become them. Father, I pray that we would not be this kind of scribe. There, there, I'm sure there were great scribes. I'm sure there were men who loved your word, men who truly sought to honor you with their lives. And, and I, I know certainly that's not who you're talking about. God, the kind of scribe that you describe here in this passage is a stark warning for us. Help us not crave recognition. Help us not exploit needy. Help us not feign piety. But may the way we live be honest, be genuine, be godly. May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray.